Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 1. At that time, an affirmation of Jehovah, I am for God to all families of Israel, and they, they are to me for a people. The Lord is our Lord when we obey him. And he's talking about a time in the future when Israel will actually love him and obey him. 2. Thus said Jehovah, found grace in the wilderness hath the people remaining from the sword going to cause it to rest, Israel. Our lives are a wilderness journey. In the Bible, the wilderness is synonymous with testing. After the testing time of Israel is over, then Israel will find grace in the Lord, when Israel has proved its love for the Lord. This is talking not only about when the Israelites will return back to Jerusalem after 70 years in captivity, it's also talking about the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ when his people will return to Jerusalem and his saints will judge the entire world from Jerusalem. 3. From afar Jehovah hath appeared to me, with love age during, I have loved thee, therefore I have drawn thee with kindness. The Lord is kind toward us. That includes creating hell. Heaven will only allow the righteous because heaven is perfect, and the Lord won't allow heaven to be corrupted as the earth is corrupted with unrighteous people. So it's kind that he doesn't allow everybody to go to heaven, although he would want everyone to go there. But if they refuse to walk in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, then they cannot go there. 4. Again do I build thee, and thou hast been built, O virgin of Israel. Again thou puttest on thy tabrets and hast gone out in the chorus of the playful. Now he's equating Israel as his virgin daughter again. Female means many. So whenever he talks about Israel as female, he's saying that it is many people. And he says that Israel will sing and dance again as the virgins sing and dance at special occasions. 5. Again, thou dost plant vineyards in mountains of Samaria. Planters have planted and made common. Samaria was the pagan capital of this split kingdom of Israel, and it was a hideous place where all kinds of demon worship went on. But the Lord says there will be a time in the future when Samaria will be a vineyard for wine growers. Today, Samaria is famous for being wine country. It could be that women compassing men means that the Israelites, who are the daughter of God, will be able to overpower the evil leaders that are in Jerusalem during King Cyrus's time because politically they were able to overpower the evil leaders who did not want them to rebuild the temple. King Cyrus sided with them, and they were able to rebuild the temple. 23. Thus said Jehovah of hosts, God of Israel, still they say this word in the land of Judah and in its cities, in my turning back to their captivity. Jehovah doth bless thee, habitation of righteousness, mountain of holiness. 
The mountain is Zion, and the habitation of righteousness is the temple of the Lord. It will be rebuilt in King Cyrus's time, and the nations and the cities will know that Jerusalem is blessed. 24. And dwell in Judah have husbandmen, and in all its cities together, and they have journeyed in order. Husbandmen are farmers, and it says that there will be farmers able to grow food in the land of Judah when they return. 25. For I have satiated the weary soul, and every grieved soul I have filled. To be satiated means to be full and satisfied, and he says that he will make their souls full. Their souls will be full of him. They will be walking in obedience, which gives them peace and satisfaction. When you obey the Lord and you submit to him, you're no longer looking at the Joneses thinking that your life could be better. You actually have a lot of satisfaction appreciating what you already have. 26. On this I have awaked, and I behold, and my sleep hath been sweet to me. What was said previously in this chapter was part of a dream that Jeremiah was having in which the Lord was speaking to him. And then he woke up feeling very good about what the Lord had told him in the dream. 27. Lo, days are coming, an affirmation of Jehovah, and I have sown the house of Israel and the house of Judah with seed of man and seed of beast. When the Israelites come back, they will multiply, both the people and the animals. And it's important that the animals multiply because the Lord loves them and they're used for food and farming and other good things. 28. And it hath been, as I watched over them to pluck up, and to break down, and to throw down, and to destroy, and to afflict, so do I watch over them to build and to plant an affirmation of Jehovah. The Lord says that just as I was focused on them to punish them, when they return I will be focused on them to restore them. 29. In those days they do not say any more, Fathers have eaten unripe fruit, and the son's teeth are blunted. 30. But each for his own iniquity doth die, every man who is eating the unripe fruit blunted are his teeth. The Israelites had a saying that meant, if your father sins, you will have to pay for it. But the Lord says, when my people come back, it will be established according to my commandment in Deuteronomy that each man suffers only for his own sins, not for the sins of his father. 31. Lo, days are coming, an affirmation of Jehovah, and I have made with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah a new covenant. 32. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day of my laying hold on their hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, in that they made void my covenant, and I ruled over them an affirmation of Jehovah. The Lord says, when my people come back, I am going to make a brand new covenant with them. It's going to be better than the covenant that I made with their ancestors when their ancestors came out of Egypt. When the Israelites came out of Egypt, he gave them his laws, and he said, if you obey my laws, I will bless you and save you. But in the new covenant, 
he gives us Jesus Christ, and he says, If you obey and follow my Son, you will have eternal salvation. Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So his righteousness in us causes us to obey all of the laws of God. But it's by his grace and his power and his strength. In our own flesh, it's impossible to obey the laws of God because our flesh doesn't want to do it. It's like asking a fish to fly. But the life of Jesus in us always obeys the Father. So it's by the grace of Jesus in us that we can walk in righteousness. We die to ourselves and his righteousness in us does cause us to obey the Father. 33. For this is the covenant that I make with the house of Israel, after those days an affirmation of Jehovah. I have given my law in their inward part, and on their heart I do write it, and I have been to them for God, and they are to me for a people. Jesus said, Unless you're more righteous than the Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. The Pharisees obeyed the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. The spirit of the law is to love everyone. They would obey the technicalities of the law. For instance, they wouldn't sleep with their neighbor's wife, but they still would lust after their neighbor's wife and oppress their neighbor because of their jealousy. So they weren't following the spirit of the law. When Jesus comes, he writes the law on our heart, which means we actually follow the spirit of the law. Not only do we not sleep with our neighbor's spouse, but we don't even covet or lust after our neighbor's spouse. And we don't persecute our neighbor because of our jealousy and envy and lust. It's a new covenant in which we actually learn to live the righteous life instead of just looking good on the outside like the Pharisees of old. 34. And they do not teach any more each his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know ye, Jehovah, for they all know me, from their least unto their greatest, an affirmation of Jehovah. For I pardon their iniquity, and of their sin I make mention no more. These two verses, Jeremiah 31, verse 33 and 34, are the entire story of salvation in a nutshell. Because in 33 it says that we have the law of God written on our hearts, which can only happen through Jesus Christ. So our heart changes, and we don't just behave ourselves outwardly, but we truly love people, and we are obeying the Lord inwardly as well. And then in verse 34 it says, that we will truly love people and our sin will truly be forgiven. And no one will have to teach us about God because we will personally know him, each of us on an individual basis. When you obey the Lord, nobody has to tell you what the Lord is like because you learn it through obedience. You learn his character as you develop the same traits as you're walking in repentance, you will develop long-suffering and kindness and self-control, all the traits of Jesus. And that's how you learn who he is, is by imitating his ways. So no one will have to explain to you, oh, this is what Jesus is like. You're going to learn what he's like as you obey him. 35. Thus said Jehovah, who is giving the sun for a light by day, 
the statutes of moon and stars for a light by night, quieting the sea when its billows roar. Jehovah of hosts is his name. Our Lord is the only Lord of angel armies because he is the only God, and he is the one that calms the storm on the sea and set up the stars and the moon at night for light and set up the sun in the day for light. 36. If these statutes depart from before me, an affirmation of Jehovah, even the seed of Israel doth cease from being a nation before me all the days. The Lord says that if my laws cease, then my people of Israel will also cease. And that proves to us that Israel will always be his children because his laws will never cease. 37. Thus said Jehovah, If the heavens above be measured and the foundations of earth below searched, even I kick against all the seed of Israel for all that they have done an affirmation of Jehovah. This means that the Lord will never totally annihilate Israel. He says, if you can measure the stars in the heaven, then I will annihilate Israel, which means he's not going to because none of us can measure the stars in the heavens or count them. 38. Lo, days are coming, an affirmation of Jehovah, and the city hath been built to Jehovah, from the tower of Hananiel to the gate of the corner. This is talking about when King Cyrus allowed the Israelites to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild their temple. And it was rebuilt from that tower of Hananiel all the way to the gate of the corner. We had read about that in the book of Ezra, and there was one section that wasn't totally rebuilt, so I believe this verse is corroborating that fact, that there was one section that wasn't totally rebuilt. 39. And gone out again hath the measuring line over against it unto the height of Gareb, and it hath compassed Goa. This sounds like there will be an extension of the holy city because the measuring line will be extended over these two places beyond what it had been before. 40. And all the valley of the carcasses of the ashes, and all the fields unto the brook Kidron, unto the corner of the horse gate eastward, are holy to Jehovah. It is not plucked up, nor is it thrown down any more to the age. When the city is rebuilt, it will not be destroyed again. Now the second temple was destroyed after Jesus ascended to heaven. The second temple that Cyrus authorized was destroyed. But this verse is talking about the city of Jerusalem, which was not destroyed, and it will still exist when Christ sets up his millennial reign. And that concludes Jeremiah chapter 31.